Okay, good morning and welcome back. So, thank you very much to the males for sponsoring, Mr. Nissen and Mr. MST Mail, who are sponsoring for the very special birth of a great grandchild, God Shalom, in Israel, and uh, many more, Mr. Shem, and also uh, in, uh, in, uh, in our honor, which is very, very kind of you, for our little Yehuda Yakira as well. Um, we should always, always share the smachos. And I hope everybody likes the new environment over here, the new seating arrangements. This is this is this is uh, this is this is what happens when carpets get cleaned. Um, so let's. What we're going to deal with today is a topic which, of course, is the tenth ikar of the Raman, the tenth fundamental of faith. But it's also a topic which is intriguing, and no question that we all we all wonder about this at various points during our life. There's no question that that. During our lives, we encounter this, we think about this, we contemplate this, we wonder why it does work, why it doesn't work. So it's very important to get some of the basics, the basic building blocks in place, in order for us to better understand what is really going on over here. The Ramam tells us, so let's, let's just start at the very beginning. The Ramam in, in the, in the Halakha, um, in the Pirush Mishnah, tells us what this tenth Ikar is. Here, here's how he describes it in Source 1. Vayasoda Asiri, the tenth found a fundamental of faith, Shehu Yisaleh, Yodaya Maaseh B'nei Adam, V'loi Hizniham. Hashem knows what we're doing. He doesn't let us just, you know, He doesn't, it doesn't uh, abandon us. V'loi Kada So'aymer Ozav Hashem Esor. It's not like those who say, God abandoned the world. Ela Kumoyshe Omar Godol Ha'itzah V'rav Ha'aliliyah. Asher Enecha P'kuchois, I'll call Darche B'nei Adam. Rather, like the passage describes, Hashem knows what's going on. Hashem is very clearly aware of everything that we are doing. Vomar and the Apostle says, Vayara Hashem ki ra'as ha'adam ba'aretz. So similarly, when the people were sinning at the times of Noach in a, uh, to a terrible degree, Hashem noticed that. The Torah tells us, Hashem noticed. It wasn't that Hashem was, you know, hiding his face and deciding to ignore it. Hashem knew what was going on. Vomar zakas sedom v'amorah ki in the times of Avraham Avinu. When Saddam's actions were reaching a, a, a critical uh, mass, yeah, Hashem noticed that. Harei elu morim, this teaches us, says the Ramam al Yasod HaAsiriya Zed, that Hashem notices and cares what we do. What we do really matters. The way it is described in the Siddur, just to appreciate the little differences, the way we said at the end of Davening is Anim Amin, I believe Be'emun HaShlem with, with perfect faith. Shabori Yisbarach Shema Yodea Kol Maasei Bnei Adam. Hashem knows all our actions and what's he adding in? Thought as well. It's not just what you do. It's not just prescribing you know, and making a safe environment. It's also about the way that we think about others. Hashem creates together all their hearts and understands them to their, all their actions. What is incorrect about the way that Pasuk describes. What is the incorrect prop, um, pro, um, preposition in this Pasuk? Yeah. So let's look at this carefully. Yeah. It says, I may vin, el kol Hashem understands to all their actions. That's the incorrect preposition. It should say, Hashem understands their actions. S, or just leave out any preposition altogether. Hamevin, ma'asehem, their actions. Instead, what does it say? It says, to all their actions. What is understood over here, what the, the, the Kabbalistic story and the Nefesh HaChaim suggests is, is that means that Hashem understands the ramifications of all our actions. That means that Hashem knows that it's not, it, it's not for naught that we do things. Hashem knows where we're going, what the impact on the spiritual level our actions have. That's what, the, that's what is understood from this Pasuk, just from the very fact the way the, word, the, psukim, the, the psuk, Pasuk words it. 
How do we know, by the way, that thoughts must be included in this whole system? Meaning, how does the Ani Mamin, oh yeah, add to what the Ramam said specifically, not just actions, but also thoughts? Right, so but how does that, where does he know that from? You're right, that's true, but it's even it's more fundamental than that. The Torah commands us to, th- or the way we think. Meaning the Torah tells us, the Torah tells us what we should love, what we should hate. The Torah tells us, what, the Torah tells us that we should not, you know, envy others. Now, envy is, is governing emotions. So if the Torah is telling us that it, that it cares about our emotions, that means, that also means to say that Hashem cares and is going to take account for that as well, which makes a lot of sense, right? It's no, there's, no, there's no requirement to do something which comes without the responsibility of, and the consequence of, of that action or thought. And as we say, Yigdal Hashem looks and knows. Sasarenu. Ar, what's the say, sir? Secrets. So here we get back into this is the he knows even the innermost uh, workings, the biases, the cognitive biases which allow us to do things. He knows the end of the matter at the beginning. So he knows, you know, he knows why it is that we something's already important to us, and we tell the rest of the world one thing. We know ourselves, and sometimes we don't even know ourselves why it is. Hashem knows that. Hashem knows why, why it is that we do things. That's the, that is this, uh, this, um, this Ikar. So let, let's, uh, just a few basic questions before we get, get into it. Question number one is, isn't this part and parcel of believing in God? Just, uh, just to appreciate why this is significant. Isn't this part and parcel of believing in God? Doesn't, doesn't knowing that there's a God automatically tell us that there is what we'll call Hashkoch, and Hashem knows. Is that true or not? Yeah. No, it, absolutely not. It is possible to, to imagine a God, to imagine a power that created the world as a very fascinating science experiment, and then went fishing, and then went on and to create another whole bunch of worlds. And in the meantime, I mean, you say, God wound up this world, and everything's really nice now, and then puts it into action, and, and look at this fascinating experiment. It's like, you know, you, you, you shoot the pool ball and the ball hits the, you know, the, the triangle. Now all the balls are moving in all different directions and that keeps going. That's fascinating. And there's, you know, friction only slows it down over a few billion years. And so you have a long time to see how this is going to work. That's one way of looking at the world. And many people looked at the world that way. You could believe in a God who's no longer interested in the world. So this is why this is a very, very significant, a very significant um, set of beliefs. That is in addition to the fact that there's a God. This is why it is, the Ramban explains, that there are three tiers in the patterns of the plagues in Egypt. One is to realize that there was a creator. But the next step wasn't that there was a creator, but that he also knows what's going on now. That's why there's a, that's the second tier. The Ramban sees it in patterns where each of the, 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 the Michael's divided into three sets of three. And each of the first one is about one belief. The next set is about the second belief. There's a third one which is Hashem is all-powerful. Yes? So I just want to clarify because there's... Oftentimes you hear two extremes. Hashem is involved in everything that goes Okay, we're going to get there in a second. involved in nothing that goes Yes, yes. yes. so we, we're going to get into more specifics in the meantime. I want to just, let's start at the beginning. I just want to say, is this, an, is this necessarily the same as believing in God? And the answer is no. This is a separate belief, and this is why. When we discussed three years ago, when was it? Uh, yeah, three years ago, we talked about, when we started this whole series, and we started talking about, the, um, about these 13 principles of faith, there are those who disagree with Rambam and say there's only three principles of faith, the Sefer Karim, but number the, this itself is a separate from belief in God. Number one is God, then Torah and Schar and Onesh. Into Schar and Onesh, into punishment and reward is 
this belief that Hashem knows and cares because it's a separate, this is a separate pillar in a certain sense or a separate category of beliefs than everything we've discussed up till now. Um, now, I, I want to just put in the back of our minds a question which I don't want to address right now, but it is, why is this so significant? Meaning, why is this so important for us to know that Hashem cares about everything we do? I just, uh, it may be obvious, but let's just put that in the back of our minds maybe throughout, throughout the, today's um, share. Let's think about that particular point. So now, Barry was reading, r- raising a very good point, and that is, is that it's not the true that this is the same across the board. Meaning, how far does this go? To what degree is Hashem really in charge or really micromanaging every detail of this world? So what I want to do is I want to go through four particular cases. Let's see if we can get this a little... Oh, it's fine. You know, we'll, do, we'll deal with it as is. So four particular cases, and we're going to... Uh, and, then, uh, and, then, and then we're going to try to deal with the sources. So case number one is... This over here is... And like a lion. Leopards have learned new tricks for hunting here This is the, the transmigration of the wildebeest across the Serengeti plains. And that over there was a capture. What happens is, is there's, there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of wildebeest which run across the, the African plains. And because this is in their transmigration, all the predators know about this. So the, uh, so the crocodiles lay in wait in the rivers, the leopards lay in wait in the brush, so there's the, they're all waiting. They know this is happening. So the question that I just want to raise in this particular case over here, without all more of the gory details afterwards, is not so much about Fred who got caught. You see, because you know Fred was unfortunate wildebeest who got caught out of the, of the hundreds of thousands in his particular herd. But I'm even more interested in the fact that Sam to his left and Henry to his right weren't. You know. So the question is, is, is to what degree was Fred was the hashkocha on Fred? I hope we, I'm not trying to insinuate anything about any Freds that we know. But, um, but Fred the Wildebeest over here, to what degree was he, was there an X on his, on his tail, right? Meaning to say, how much did Hashem really worry about the fact that he should be the Wildebeest that got, that got killed? That's the question that I'd like to, I'd like to raise. Okay, so, is, is Barry, you hear what we're doing? Try to push the, let's, let's push the envelope. Da, did God de- decree or worry that this particular, um, this particular wildebeest and not his neighbors on either side were in fact the ones who were, who, who were killed? Let's, let's, let's take a little further. Hang on for a second there. Let's, let's move into, into another case over here. So this is, but it is let's just see if we can get this. Okay. When the winds picked up, Granbury resident Jerry Shuttlesworth knew he was in trouble. And I was watching the trees start to buckle over. I said, oh, God, no, please, God, don't let this happen. The wind got so strong. At that point, I said, Junior, we're in trouble. Junior's his dog. Junior is Jerry's six-year-old pit bull, his baby. Jerry grabbed him and ran for cover in his mobile home's laundry room. I was praying. I I said, Junior, it'll be okay, it'll be okay. And I was praying, and the house went together, vacuumed in, and then blew out. And I don't think I can figure out is I went upside down holding on to him. And he was no more. So he was just sucked out of your arm? Right. I never felt him leave my arms. I never felt nothing. All I know, I was over him like this. And the next thing I know, I'm upside down and he's nowhere. So that's what happened to Junior. And, and miraculously, he was reunited pets. with Junior. Jerry got the call Friday morning and rushed right over. Hey, buddy. Hey. Hey, Junior. And so Junior... Junior and Jerry were, re- re- were reunited. <laughs> Obviously, it looks like they both had a little bit of um, that Barafashim. They both survived. The question really is over here: is is uh, you know there were many there were many dogs 
that were taken in that particular tornado, and in fact many people who were taken in this tornado. So to what degree was um, Junior, had, did Junior have Ashkacha? How does this question differ from, the, from, from Fred? What was that? They're both animals, but but Junior is a well. Listen, Hashkocha works both directions, right? Hashkocha means Hashem is is very specifically caring about particulars, right? So Hashem particularly cared to save Jerry over here. I mean Junior, right? So in this case, it's a little different. What's the difference? Right. So this is his a pet, meaning as opposed to Fred. Fred was nobody's animal, right? So just to, just to put this, so to, to what degree does that change the equation, if anything, that, that, that um, in this particular case, that Junior got saved? Okay, ne ne let's move on to the, ne to the next case. Oh, yeah, this is a particular incident which happened. I know you did. We need to make a check. I'm not sure what the number is. This individual is in a parking lot in a gas station, and, and they know that this gas station had the winning numbers for the lottery. So they're coming in now to check is this the guy? So this this gentleman over here who just won I don't, I don't I don't remember which state it might be Minnesota who just won who just won the lottery. So uh, so the question is yeah he does not have front teeth. You're right. Um, so the question is 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 to what degree was that hashkocha as well? Right, so now we're no longer dealing with animals, now we're dealing, we're dealing with people. But over here, this is, this is, you know, the ultimate randomness, right? Because we have the lottery, the chances in the lottery, if I'm not mistaken, is one of 49 um, billion, if I'm not mistaken, they're just in terms of the numbers, depending on how many numbers you're using, if you're using six. Um, so, um, you know, to what degree is, uh, is Mr. Lucky over here um, um, also under Hashkocha? Okay, so that's, 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 that's tier number three. And then finally, of course, tier number four, Anybody familiar with this? What is the... Anybody familiar with this? One second. So one second, I want to put this in context. Yes. One second, let's see if I can get into the pause here. Okay, so this is, of course, this is the movie Ushpizin, which is a beautiful movie. Very much based on a lot of breast love thought. And so this is a particular scene where what's happening is, is that there, there is a, Baal, a, 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 a person who gives a lot of tzedakah, a Baal tzedakah, and he's trying to give tzedakah to various people, and he realizes that one of the people on his list has just passed away. So now he needs to fill the place on that, on that list. And in the meantime, there's this other fellow over here who's you know, really in a difficult financial situation. And this is the convergence of those two scenes done very beautifully over here. Let's just watch over here. Thank 
And that was, of course, him. And that's, that's the question. And it wasn't always necessarily the best thing for him. Um, I mean, we're going to see how, how, this, uh, how this comes in full circle. But how does that differ from the previous case? Meaning, what, what's the difference between this and the previous case of winning the lottery? What was that? He was? He was praying. Right, the, the other fellow was probably picking up a pack of cigarettes <laughs> the gas station just happened to it just happened to have happened to have scratched off the, the most recent numbers. Right? So to, to what degree does Hashkocha depend on Tvila as well? So the four particular cases, Fred Fred the Wildebeest, Junior the, the tornado dog, um, then uh, Mr. Toothless and the lottery and uh, and, uh, and Moshe Belanga in, in Yerushpizim. So those are, the, those are the particular four questions. Let's try to move through some of the, the sources to try to appreciate the difference of Ashkocha in these particular cases and how, and how it differs. So let's start at the very beginning. The very beginning is the Rambam himself. The Rambam is not now in his halachic work. He is in his philosophical work, Mor Nebuchim. The Rambam just is, is describing in the third, this is, this is his, the third component of Mor Nebuchim. He describes the following, how Ashkocha works. The Yoser Karov in source two on the very top of the next page. The Yoser Karov el Hekesh Asichli. It makes the most sense logically. Shanima Amin, and that is what I believe. This is long before the Anima is at the end of Davening. This is what I believe, says the Rambam. There is most certainly Hashkoch. Hashem cares and knows about what's going on in this world. And the inner sphere of the celestial movement. But it only applies to human beings. Everything goes based on their actions and law. All the ways of Hashem are, are, are in fact just. The rest of the, 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 we'll call it the fauna and the flora. Dati bohem das aristo. I believe like Aristo believes. And that is, loy amin klal boy. This leaf does not fall because God says, leaf, fall. Veloy shezea akavish, taraf ezea zvuv, bigzeira me'esashem veretsona ishibata. And this, and the fact that this spider, captures this particular fly. It was not Hashem's will that this particular fly should get eaten. And when so-and-so spits on the pavement and it lands on an ant and drowns that ant, it wasn't that Hashem wanted that particular ant to die. And that fish which swallowed that particular worm in the water, that Berotzon Eloki Ishi, that Hashem particularly had something against that worm. Aval Elu Kulam Mikre Gamur That is what he calls Mikre. What's Mikre mean? Happenstance. Now, what, what, just to appreciate, what does that mean? That means. They are to say that, that, that there is a system. There's a system. Hashem set up a system, he pressed play, and the system's in motion. Right, and there's predators, and there are victims, and there's defense systems, and that's how things work. So the way the Rambam says it very clearly over here is, who is under what we'll call hashkocha? Pratis. Pratis means? Individual, specific. That is, humanity. 
when it comes to the animal kingdom, when it comes to the plant kingdom, when it comes to inanimate, the inorganic kingdom, then that's just the way it works. It's mikre, what the Ramam calls is the regular system of events. So coming back to our cases over here, Freddy happened to be just a Fred, meaning to say it could have been Sam, it could have been, who, uh, could have been um, you know, the, the, um, Henry on the other side. In the end of the day, it, uh, that, that isn't of specific consequence to us because Hashem cares about what humans do, not so much what animals do on a specific level. Okay? Not, it is noteworthy to note that the, that the, the Sefer HaChinuch adds to this. If we just flip the page for a second, let's see if he actually, um, yeah, how he says this. Um, here we are in the third paragraph. He says, "Vanachnu and source four, vanachnu baal baalei das amitis." We of pure faith, of pure faith, lefim hashemati. According to what I have the tradition, nasim hashkacha soi baruchu al kumine belechaim bichlal. Hashem does have hashkacha on the animal kingdom, but what's bichlal? Bichlal means general. This is what we call hashkacha klalis. Hashem cares in general about the animal kingdom. Hashem is going to make sure that, that species or types are not going to disappear completely. In Hashem's hashkocha klalis, it will make sure that there's nothing's going to disappear. But when it comes to humanity, it's individual. That's the post that he quoted before, that was quoted before in the Ani Mamin, that he understands to where the actions go. That's what we received from our greatest. And there's many psukim which indicate the same. Now, of course, people are going to say, what about extinctions, right? What about the dodo, right? Um, the dodo, some people say, is living on an island, you know, with Princess Diana and Elvis Presley, right? Uh, but that, that is, the, um, until we find that island, we're going to believe that the dodo is extinct. Um, so either what he, came, he means to say is that the general, the general, we'll call it types, as opposed to the individual species or under Ashkachaklalis, or that the rules are the same. And you say Hashem is maintaining, maybe there was Ashkachaklalis, that that men should end, okay? Um, another way of looking at it is that maybe humans' free will actually does affect but we're not going to go there right now because that's a, a bit of an interesting and intriguing topic. But nonetheless, let's, let's hold this for just, for just a quick second. That means to say that Hashem is going to make sure that all the wildebeests will get where they need to get. It happens to be that a fraction of them won't, right? Because that's just the way that, that, that because there's also the leopard colony to, to, to look out for and there's also the, the crocodile colony to look out for and they need their cut. Right, so which particular wildebeests are going to be the ones who are going to, you know, support the other part of the ecosystem? That's really irrelevant. But the point is, is that Hashem will support that system. Um, just to give you a, like another example of just how, how powerful this is, I remember if anybody has a chance to ever watch BBC Planet Earth, they've just come out with a new series. But the old series, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So there's just an example of this. I mean, the rainforest. I always quote this because it's just so so remarkable. In the rainforest, there's a particular type of fungi. Which, um, which affects um, insect colonies. So, for instance, what happens is, let's say there's a colony of ants. What happens is, is that the, the plants will release this fungus. It will grow on the plants. It will release a spore, which will affect the ant colony. One of the ants which is affected, what happens is the ant starts looking like it's drunk. So it starts, it starts walking around um, in a wavy fashion. And everybody realizes that this ant's become infected, so they quickly remove it from the, from the, the, from the, 
um, from the, the colony. And what it does is it, 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 it's infected in such a way that it climbs to the highest point it can and dies on a, tr on a tree, puts its pincers around the, um, uh, the stem of, a, of whatever it's on and then dies. And as it dies, what happens is, is that from through the back of its head it grows a new spore of what it was infected by. It looks like an alien growth almost from the back of its head, through, splitting out through the back of its head. Grows new spores and releases more spores onto the ant colony below it. And what is it? It's the way that nature, and the way we will call Hashkocha Klolis, allows that there's no overeating in the plant kingdom. Because when the colonies grow too big, the response of the plant kingdom is to release these spores. And there's a particular type of fungi for different types of insects where released by different types of plants which are eaten in order to maintain the balance of the eaters and the eaten. And that, that's what we call Hashkocha Klolis. Now, it happens to be that, you know, that particular ant wasn't the one who was chosen because he was a bad or good ant. That's the way the Ram says it. It just happens to be that he is part of the system of Hashem maintaining the balance of the ecosystem. Right, and that's what happens over here. So right, I just want to reserve all questions for the end because there's a lot of, lot of ground. I don't want to get, if that's all right, please, please, I do want to hear questions. But let's, let's just solve, save them for, for a moment because there's, there's a bunch of stuff we're ahead, ahead, ahead of us. So this is, this is remarkable, okay? This is, this is the way it works. This is where the Ram says it. Hashem has got an unbelievable system over there. But on the, lev on the level of nature, everything is running on a level of Hashkocha Klalis, or what the Rambam calls Mikre. Okay, Mikre doesn't mean to say God's absent, but it means to say that God is not micromanaging. And then when it comes to human beings, yes, everything we do matters and counts, and there is Hashkocha uh, Pratis. We're going to get uh, to the more specifics there in a moment. Let's, let, let's go a little further. That all accounts for Freddy the wildebeest. What about Junior the dog? So Junior is a little different, right? Because Junior happens to have a very close relationship to Jerry, right? And Jerry cares very much, as you can see, about Junior. So in this, uh, so in this case over here, the, 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 the Medrash tells us in Source 5, Omer Rabbi Chanin Tzitzipari, Rabbi Chanin of Tzipari says, There was a scorpion which had a mission. The scorpion's mission was to sting somebody. That person deserved that sting for whatever reason. The image doesn't go into why. But the problem was, there was a river between it and the victim. And the person needed to reach. So what did Hashem do? Hashem allowed it to find a frog, which it carried it on, it carried it on its back. And then it got across the river, thereby getting across the river to sting the other person. Hey, wait a second. That frog, right? There's no Ashkocha protest on a, fro a frog and that, and that Akrav and that, and that scorpion. So what do you see from this Medrash? Well, there is Ashkocha Pratis on, on animals when? When it matters to human beings, right? So yeah, why was there Ashkocha Pratis? This Akrav should find the right way to get across this, the, this river because it mattered for a human being. So therefore, as an extension of the Ashkocha on a human being, therefore nature will also conform to that same Ashkocha Pratis, which is what's happening over here. Another example. The, the Radak tells us, People say, well, look, when the, when the lion captures and eats a, uh, sheep. a sheep, right, a, a young lamb. I remember when my son was recounting the story through about Kiva in the forest. Remember the donkey, the, the, the chicken and the, the flame? He says, you know, the, the lion took away the donkey. You know, so <laughs> that's the way that it's taught at the age of four years old. So when the lion takes away the, the, the lamb, right, so it takes it to another safe place. So, um, so some people say, that it's a punishment. There's others who say, there's no way that Hashem cares about any animals. He says, we're in the middle. 
Yesh gumul v'onesh, l'shar mina ibarei chayim, v'eisek ha'odam. There is hashkocha as it relates to human, humanity. V'yesh das acheres v'ein ro'i l'kosva, says there are other opinions and they're not worthy of ink. So um, anyways, so the, the, this is what the radak says again. This, the, this appears over here, which means to say that because animals can become so much, and because plant life, and because inanimate objects can become so much a part of our life, by extension of us, they also have Hashkacha Pratis in particular cases. Okay, so this, this is important. This is important to think about as well um, when it comes to, to Hashkacha Pratis. However, what is most fascinating about this entire discussion, this, this is the most remarkable thing, is that, is that there's different stages in Jewish history as to how this is viewed. When you go to the Rishonim, the Rishonim is the, the term we give to the medieval commentators who lived during what was actually classically known as the Dark Ages in the rest of the world. For us, it was an illuminating time with um, incredible wisdom being spouted forth. But in the Dark Ages, so we're talking about, you know, the year, let's say, 1050 onwards to about the year 1500. That's, where we, that's the periods of the Rishonim. If you go through most of the Rishonim, this is what they'll tell you. And the Ramban is very complicated to understand. We're not going to spend... The Ramban is exceptionally complicated in this particular topic. But if you go to the Rambam and the Sefer Achinuch and the Radak, most of the Forashei Tanakh, they will tell you this, this particular idea. There's Ashkacha Protest on humans and there's Ashkacha Klolis on the rest of the world. However, later on, as Kabbalistic ideas started proliferating further and Hasidus started expounding upon this, um, about uh, um, hidden and Kabbalistic ideas, it was a shift in thought, which is fascinating. Um, and here's an example of how this shift appears. So the, the shift appears because there are a number, it's not that this was new, but the, there are a number of chazals which indicate that this might not be 100% true. Okay, so there might, be an, uh, there might be something more than meets the eye. As an example, in source 7, this is a Gemara which says, Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Shalach, this particular type of bird, Shalach ze ha-shole ha- it would, get, it would get fish from the sea. I don't know if he's talking about a pelican. Not always sure if he's talking about an uh, a, uh, albatross or a, um, or a seagull. But Rabbi Yochanan, ki hava chazei shlach. When Rabbi Yochanan would see the shlach, this bird, Omar mishpatecha tohaim rabo Hashem, your judgment is on even the greatest of depths. What does that mean? So Rashi explains on that Gemara, mishpatecha tohaim rabo, kishezimnosa shalacha, Rashi says, wow, when Rabbi Yochanan would see this bird, he would say, Mishpatecha to Rabbi Hashem, your mishpat, your judgment is even on the greatest of depths, because you made sure that those fish got caught by the shlach. That's interesting, because that means to say, that this Gemara seems to be indicating that, that this particular fish was under the mishpat of Hashem. Now, let's make no mistakes. That fish was nobody's pet, right? That, that, that fish had nothing to do with anybody. That was just a fish that was being hunted by a particular pelican, right? So this is this is this is this gives us that there might be a, another tier of going uh, what's going on over here. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the next the next medrash. This refers to you know the famous story. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai stayed in the, in the cave for thirteen years and he came out. So there's an there's an interesting addendum to the story which is not as well known. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Lazar Berei. Again, this is all in Aramaic, which is why it sounds a little different. Is that it was hidden in a cave, Yud Gimel Shana, for 13 years. And the time that there was a persecution out, there was a price on his head. And they ate, they were only subsisting on carobs, and their, their skin became, became rather like um, wrinkly. 
um, and because of the, because that level sustenance. At the end of 13 years, I came to sit by the gate or the entrance to the cave. And they encountered a bird hunter. So somebody who, was, who had traps out um, for, for birds. When he heard, the, uh, he heard a, a, a bus call. A heavenly voice which would come out and say, death, death, then that bird got caught. I apologize. Demos is free, free, then it got caught. When he said, death, death, then it got caught. She said, look, if Hashem willed it to be, which bird got caught in the trap? It must be definitely for human beings. Then, then it's, it, it is true. Now, this is fascinating because what is, what's going on over here is it sounds like that Rabbi Lazar was tuned into a different frequency, right? So this is not the kind of thing that we're, we, we are receiving on, on our bandwidth. But nonetheless, he was able to hear the sensitive, we'll call it machinations of the divine as it appeared and as it affected these birds. And which bird got caught was actually a will and a specific will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes we hear the, 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 a similar thing when the Gemara tells us, the, or the Medrash tells us, that there's no grass, and there's not bla no blade of grass in this world which grows without a malach, which is make olav min which which hits it or, or, or pushes it to grow, which gives us more of an expansive view on the way that things work, right? Because it sounds like that there's not just Hashkaka Klaus, it sounds like this particular bird, or not that particular bird, this fish, or not that particular fish, are under more of a what we call the constraints of Ashkacha Pratis, right? That's what it sounds like from these Midrashim, which is why, famously speaking, the, this is, this is the, the quotation, the Tanya, Rav Shneer Zaman of the Adi, says that, it, uh, that everything that, that happens in this world is, um, is under HaKadosh Baruch Hu's guidance. The way he describes it is, is that um, he says, look, when you have, let's say, an artisan who makes... Um, let's say a woodworker who makes a table. So usually the way we understand it is, is let's say you have an artisan who creates for us the most ex exquisite piece of di uh, you know, dining room furniture. And Rahman the, the moment he finishes creating it, you know, he, he's struck by lightning and he's no longer at all. There's nothing left. So did the dining room set disappear? Oh, says, well, of course not. He already finished making that, right? That, he, that, that was done, right? Because his creation, that which he created, is independent of the artisan. So take away the artisan afterwards, and the, the dining room set remains, because that was what he did then. He says, well, that's not the way the world works as the, as the, when it comes to Hashem. The way it works when it comes to Hashem is, is that, now the, the, the comparison is not going to be exactly the same, but when Hashem, when Hashem created the world, Hashem's being there is the necessity for which the, uh, upon which the world exists. If Hashem decided it's not going to exist right now, the dining room set would disappear. The artisan has to be there the entire time willing it into existence, which means to say, if you think about this for a moment, that means to say that there's a constant energy which is being provided by the Creator for everything to exist. So if this exists, it must exist for a purpose, which means to say more than Ashkava Klalis potentially, but more that Hashem wants this specific item, this specific bird, this specific fish to exist. As told by the Shomer Emunim, this is a story which is very famous, um, and this is why the background is leaves. Of the, um, over here. It once happened that the Holy Scholar in Source 10, the very top of the next page, our teacher, the Baal Shem was in a field with his students. All of a sudden, a strong wind blew, and many leaves fell from the tree onto the ground. The Baal Shem Tov said, My sons, know that this wind just passed this instant was due to a specific worm 
They were situated on one of the leaves. The sun was shining particularly strongly on the worm, and the worm cried out to God. God sent the wind, which blew, the, which blew many leaves to the ground, and this leaf of the worm was one of those leaves. Fascinating, right? Now, it is interesting, by the way, in the Baal Shem Tov's description over here that it's on the, on, on the account of the worm, not the leaves, right? Meaning, he wasn't saying for the sake of the leaves or the tree, right? Because that could have been an, an additional tier of, of Ashkocha. But he's saying for the sake of that particular worm, which is fascinating, where you see a much more expanded scope of Ashkocha protis, it sounds like, over here. And this is in the absence, once again, of humans. Okay, so this, this, this becomes more predominant, and I think... That generally speaking, we are more schooled with the second, the second philosophy or the second school of thought in general, because in a, in a certain sense, the Rishonim got eclipsed to this, and so the, this is. The, the, I'm sure we, we recognize different parts of this. There are those who try to who try to synthesize. It's not so simple how to synthesize this all. Um, but one 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 suggestion is is the following: is that the Rambam himself says that every element of natural history, every moment that the world is, is moving in the right direction is what's called a malach. Meaning to say that a natural force in this world is a malach. So, you know, why is it that, um, you know, that, that the, the, the hole in the heart of a baby closes immediately at the right moment as the baby takes its first breath and now, and now it's not just a circulation of the fluids, but it's now actually absorbing air, and that's how the oxygenation <coughs> is happening. Well, that's a malach, meaning to say that's Hashem's way of making sure that that, that, that that system, that natural system, is what he calls a malach. So if you think, if you ask the Ramam about this, it is true that what happened to Freddy, the wildebeest, is not hashkocha protis, I meaning he didn't will that particular wildebeest to get killed, but at the same time the Ramam will tell you that it's a natural mechanism, which is Hashem's malach. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, if you think about it, it's not, they're not so far away, these schools of thought. Because the Ramam agrees that Hashem is still willing it to happen. Hashem is making sure that his system is working. Was he, in making the system working, identifying a particular animal that should die or not die? The Ramam is, is, saying, is saying, well, I'm not so interested in that. But nonetheless, he is agreeing that Hashem is controlling it, just from a more... From a, we'll call it a more remote perspective. So there are those who try to spend a lot of time trying to synthesize these. I, I, I think that it's important to recognize that when you have a debate in Jewish philosophy like this, which has greats on both sides, it's very important to realize that that means to say there's a lot of space for Jewish belief. And there are people who are going to associate more with the, the let's say, the Ramam Sefer Achinuch side of it. Those are going to associate more with the later, with the, the more Kabbalistic approaches. And there's a lot of space in this to understand. But it actually is not so relevant to us, because most of the time that we think of Ashkocha Pratis, we're not thinking about Freddy the Wildebeest, okay? We're not thinking about what's happening on the Serengeti, or in the middle of the ocean, or on the, um, or, or, or that worm on the leaf, right? That isn't what we're thinking about. We usually think about ourselves, our pets, our livestock, our, uh, you know, what, what things which affect us. So it's not, it's not as, as immediate to us to think about. What is more immediate to us is trying to understand how it affects us as a whole. So th this becomes more complicated. So... If, if it's true what we're saying over here, does that mean to say that all of us are under the same Ashkocha? Now, because we've dealt a little bit with the first two cases. What about the last two cases? Are we all under the same degree of Ashkocha Pratis? No. Yeah. Now, so every, every, we feel like it can't be true, right? It, it, it must not be true that we're all under the same level of Ashkocha. But how does this work? So it happens to be that there, 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 there are a few tiers that human beings are also... Um, a, we call it exposed to or operates in different levels of, and I'm not going to use the word rat race, 
right? Because that's a very cynical way of looking at things. But there are different tiers of Hashem's um, um, watching over us. Um, the, the, one of the examples which I feel really captures it so poignantly is an idea which I tell over every year because it's so powerful. And that is, is in Parshas Chukas, which we passed by two weeks ago. The, the Hashem says that Bnei Yisrael, and this, this is just such a profound idea, uh, Bnei Yisrael are complaining about the man. They don't like the man. It's uh, this dry bread. We don't need it. No thanks, God. Keep it. And um, so what happens is Hashem sends the Nechashim Asrafim. Uh, he sends these venomous snakes to attack them. So the way the pastor describes it is Vayeshalach Bames Nechashim Asrafim. Translation being, and God... So, the, most commonly we would say, and God sent, and if you look, most Chumashim will say, and he sent. But technically speaking, it's not exactly true, because the word va'yishlach means as he sent, va'yishalach, with a shva as opposed to a chirik means, and he released. That's a Loshan PL as opposed to Loshan Kal, okay? There's seven binyanim, seven classic binyanim, this is, the, this is number three as opposed to number one, okay? And so that's why when somebody corrects a Baal Kore on something like this, it, it matters, it really changes the word, it's one dot. Okay? Now, Vayashalach, so, so you say, okay, tomato, tomato, what difference does it make whether it's, uh, whether it's, uh, whether it's he released, he sent, and at the end of the day, the snakes, the snakes came and they ate them, right? So they, they bit them and people died. That, there were casualties, you know? So how they got there is irrelevant to me. The answer is it's very relevant. Because what Rav Hirsch understands in the, in the Chumash is, is simple like this. What happens is the people are living with a supernatural existence for 40 years. They live with this kind of bread where they, they eat it, and it, it's what's called nivla ba'evarim. It's completely absorbs the body. There's a 100% nutrition content. There's no, there's no waste product. There's, no, there's nothing which the body doesn't need. But that's kind of inhibiting, you know, because in the end of the day, we appreciate the fact that food is a very big part of our existence, right? We like to talk about food. We like to buy food. We like to go out to eat food. You know, bathroom breaks are very important in our days because it gives us a little bit of space from the, from, from the people we're around, right? But they didn't have that, right? They didn't have to. None of this was part of their lifestyle. It was all God says, okay, I'm going to provide everything you need so you can, you can think about me. That's, there's no breaks in that, right? They couldn't just go out to get coffee in the morning. So they said, look, Hashem, this is like a little intense for us. We need a little bit of space. So Hashem says, well, I'll do you a favor. If you don't want to live in my bubble, if you don't want to live in a, in a place where I provide your every need, you know, enjoy. I'm going to remove you from that bubble. Because remember, Chukas is when the well's disappearing, the clouds are disappearing, they're complaining about the mud. That's when there's this, there's, it's almost like this, this meridian where they're hitting between natural and, and supernatural. And they're saying, we don't want this. We want out. God says, I'll give you out. I'm going to release you from our bubble. And guess what? You know where you are? You are in the middle of a desert. What lives in deserts? Snakes. snakes. Fascinating. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not sending snakes against you. I'm allowing you to be exposed to the natural world outside of you. And enjoy it, folks. That's what Hashem says. I shouldn't send the snakes. Hashem released the snakes. Which, which now, just the reason why this example is so profound is because that means to say that humanity can exist on a level of, we'll call it Mikra too. Right? Or we'll call to and f- uh, give and take, cause and effect. We'll, what we'll maybe uh, another way of describing it is teva. Human beings can exist on that level of teva as well. But, says Rav Hirsch, if you opt in, you can opt yourself into the bubble. Right? If you decide you want Hashkacha Pratis, then absolutely you're part of the system. Right? If you want to get there, you can get there. And in that way, yes, you now are, there's certain things which Hashem is going to be more mashkiach on. Okay, this, this, so do you see what's happening over here? So all, all humans are privy to Hashkacha practice, and the answer is, well, it depends. If you don't want it, Hashem says, well, enjoy. You know, there are 1 in 49 billion people who won, win the lottery. It happens. It really does happen. But, you know, that, that, you know the other four, you know, 
39, right? If we're going to go through all the 39, who didn't win it, that's just part of the way things work, right? But that's because that's 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 what we call base level. And then there's Hashkacha Pratis, where you opt yourself into a high level. There's one more tier, and we're not going to deal with it to a great level today just because of time. We're going to get into a little more next week, which is because next week we're going to deal with schar and Einish. Next week we're going to deal with reward and punishment. We're not into reward and punishment, we're in consequences right now. Um, and, in reward, and, and that is, is that there's a third tier which is called Mazel. Mazel, not the lower level of stars and Mazel horoscopes. Those, those, those we don't believe, we don't, they don't have power over us. There's a greater level of Mazel, what the Ramchal, Ramosh Chaim talks about, which means to say that God's got a destination for this ship. You know, so for instance, that, that means to say that our actions do warrant certain Hashgacha. So we do bad things, it does affect the way Hashem deals with us. We do good things, it does affect the way Hashem deals with us. But Hashem also has a destination where the ship's going. So, for instance, Yosef and the brothers did not have a good relationship, right? And they, they did things against each other. They sold him. He, he, he told Lashonara about them. He got them into trouble. Um, they, they, they sold him. They were bad things. They deserved in their Hashkacha Pratis to have faced the consequences. But God also had a bigger plan. That is, I need to get my nation down there to get them out there to come out that, right? There's a whole bigger picture going on. So what happens is there's a convergence of a bigger plan what we'll call the muzzle plan, with the Hashkocha Pratis of the individuals. And the two are actually moving or hovering above one another. So we're going to have to deal with that in more detail as to how we've got Hashem's plan and a specific plan of individuals. Okay, which is, those are both two tiers above the natural give and take of, of existence. So that's the, if we think about it in terms of three basic tiers, of course there's, there's in-betweens among them. I would say, just, out of, just uh, from personal experience, and again, we all have the different experiences, but um, I had a very special Hebrus in Israel, um, who when I was in Karen Biavne, his name was um, C. Davidson, now Rabbi C. Davidson, a very, very special individual. And um, I had the schuss of learning with him. He's still learning and he's still, he's still teaching and doing amazing things in Israel. And when we used to learn with each other, every morning he used to come to me and he would tell me the latest Hashkacha protest that happened to him. You know, he was at the bus station, he was three shekels short, the person in front of him turned around and says, oh, I've got some change, do you want some change? And you ask him, it was three shekels, you know, like... You know, like, uh, then he was waiting by the side of the road, somebody rolls down the window and says, would you like to go somewhere? It's the next door to where he wants to go in Yerushalayim. You know, that kind of thing. And every day he had stories like this. Like, every single day, there was, there was something else. And I thought to myself, you know, it's just not fair. You know, some people just really haven't, you know. <laughs> um, and then I realized something. And that is, is that, is that to the degree that we recognize it, is the degree it's given to us. If you think about it, the more we opt in, the more we get it. The less we opt in, the less we get it, if you think about that. I mean, the more we're, 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 we're open to talking about those moments of our shkocha protests which happened in our lives, and we say, look, that really, you know, that really clicked. And sometimes not in the right way, but that really clicked. To that, to that degree, we're saying, well, Hashem, I want this system. And Hashem says, well, I'll give you a little more to talk about me, right? And I, 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 unfortunately, in our daily conversations, Hashkocha Pratis is not naturally part of the conversation, but I think the more that we, we introduce it into our discussions is that even when we say Baruch Hashem, what we're trying to say is, is Bezabi Hashem who did such and such and such about, or oh, I'm feeling well, or this is, this is the family's doing well, and the family's healthy, and this, this deal closed, whatever else it is. When we're saying Baruch Hashem, we're saying Hashem was part of that. It wasn't just what we'll call the base tier of existence. The more we invite Hashem in, the more Hashem is there in this level of Hashkocha Pratis. Why is this so important? So just coming back to that question at the beginning, why is this all so significant to us? And um, this always reminds me of Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes, naturally, uh, because on the last page, on page seven, just I, put, I included one of the examples of Calvin and Hobbes. This is, this is um, one of these terrible debates, you know, 
um, in, in the, the outside of the Jewish world where Santa becomes a very big thing around December time, there's this terrible fallacy which people tell their, ch tell their children, and that is that they only get presents if, they only get gifts if, they well behaved, right? Terrible thing because it's a lie parents know, right? The, the, I mean, the parents know that they're perpetrating a lie that the kids are going to you know, get to a point where they realize it's not true, that it wasn't really Santa watching them. But nonetheless, so Calvin's still on the stage where he, he believes that somehow, you know, there's, there's this, this incredible system where Santa's watching his every action, and there he is, he's trying to, on the last, the, uh, this last uh, line, he's like, he, he says, uh, he says, I'm onto him. I'm going to smack Susie with a snowball. If I do it quick, the odds are that Santa watching me at that exact moment are virtually nil. <laughs> so Hobbes says to him, he says, well, what if Susie tells, tells on you? <laughs> says, oh, I didn't think of that. She's a girl. She probably would, would snitch. <laughs> he goes, oh, phooey. He says, well, I, I sure hope Santa's watching now, seeing, uh, uh, seeing as I'm being so good. So Hobbes says, unwillingly good, but no, good nonetheless. Right? So if you think about this, you know, like, Lahav deal, right? If you think about, uh, about this, you know, the, 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 that's the kind of system that he lives in. Now, let's translate that into the real system, where it's not just around December and it's not just about presence in Red Sox. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about life as a whole. Um, if you think about this, what the, way, the way Ramchal understands it and the way he says it in the second last chapter in Mesir HaSisharim is, he says in the second paragraph in Saul 17, she is borer lo makam shehu. If we realize that wherever we're walking, God is there. You're on a road trip in Texas. God is with you wherever you go. Then naturally it's going to prescribe our actions because we're not going to act in the same way as if we felt that someone isn't watching us. So it means to say that hashkocha isn't just important because it makes us feel good that, um, that Hashem is involved in our lives, but it's also important because with that realization, it actually has impact and import into the way we lead our lives. There's no way you can sort of, you know, in 1984, there's a corner in the room where the camera isn't watching. Right? That's not how it works. There's no corners in the room in this business. Right? You can opt out, and then you're in the level of mikra, but in the end of the day, there's no, there's no level where... It's not, there's, there's no hashkocha itself. And this is what the Mr. Rishon says is so important about knowing hashkocha itself and hashkocha parties and opt opting in. I want to end with one little asterisk, and that is, is that we're talking in the realm of theory, right? So the, it's, it's very important to discuss theory because if we don't have theory, then, then it really all becomes, you know, mumbo-jumbo and it's, you know, it's all, it's all random. It's very important to discuss theory. The, one of the, the challenges we're going to have as we translate theory into practice is it's not always so easy to identify what, it, what level of system everything in our lives is owing to. And we've only talked about a little bit of Ashkocha and three tiers in Ashkocha. There are many, many other systems that are at play. So there's the system of Kapara, Shava Onishi, Surim Shol Aiva. There's a lot of other things going on. So when things don't work out 100%, I just, it, it is important to realize that identifying it backwards isn't so simple, not because the theory is incorrect, but because there's a lot of theory, and those theories apply themselves in different ways, and they converge upon oneself. So, for instance, when Yosef was saying, why, God, did you put me on the back of a camel down to Midian? So, well, there are many reasons why. One was, well, you spoke Loshon Har about your brothers. But on the other hand, God also wants a certain plan to be unfolding. And he also wants the world to be sustained, and he also wants there to be a godless, mitzra, godless and gulas mitzrayim, and you're going to be the foreman of that. So there's a lot of things going on. So the question is more complex when it comes to the theory applying itself to the practical, which is perhaps we'll spend some time at another point in time dealing with 
the practical ramifications of this. But nonetheless, this Hadith itself is, is, is the beginning of this, which is what the Ramam is talking about here. I hope this is enlightening and room for further conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you.